most of us think that we know who we are, and we think of it as more or less permanent. While there's always room for growth, a lot of us stay true to this inner sense of self that often defines who we are. And we generally think that we're in control of that. But that isn't always the case. Sometimes, we're just one injury away from becoming a murderer. At least that's what some people think. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Alexander Petushkin, known as the chessboard killer, who was captured in 2006 after he reportedly killed 61 victims. Yes, you heard that correctly, 61 victims. Before we get started, I do just want to thank you guys for your patience with the episode delay. I had an interesting week, to put it lightly, and suffice it to say that time was not exactly on my side, so thank you for sticking around through all of that. You guys are awesome. Alexander Pachushkin was a wonderful addition to his family on the day that he was born, April 9th, 1974. For years, he was a beloved child, and though that went on as he grew older, something changed when he turned four. At the age of four, Alexander was playing on a swing when he fell off. After he fell, the swing did what swings do and actually shot back, nailing him in the forehead, a fact which was a particular point of concern for doctors in this case. When children are that young, their bones are not hard enough to protect against a blow like that more often than not. As a result, medical professionals believe that he damaged his prefrontal cortex. For those of you who don't know, the prefrontal cortex is responsible for regulating impulsivity and actually plays a large role in what we deem to be our personality. In fact, the trademark case where we learned about this was with a man named Phineas Gage. Phineas Gage was a railroad worker who had a metal rod go straight through the front of his brain. Amazingly, he survived. But after the accident, he was never quite the same. Though he was able to problem solve and seemed as smart as ever, he became volatile, aggressive, and unruly. Phineas Gage survived, but his friends and family said that it just wasn't him after the fact. In this case, Pachushkin underwent these same drastic changes. At only four, he was still growing into himself, but his family noted the difference. Like Phineas Gage, Pachushkin became impulsive and aggressive, but he also developed a really keen intellect. Something amazing about the human mind is that when we damage neurological pathways, our brains can sometimes create new ones around the damaged area. His family actually believes that his injury increased his intellect, but he started to struggle socially after it. Petrushkin was bullied relentlessly by his peers until his mother finally moved him to a school for children with learning disabilities. Like many people with learning disabilities, and I cannot stress this enough, like many, 
Pachushkin was incredibly intelligent, but traditional schooling just didn't suit him. To encourage his growing intellect, his grandfather did whatever he could to help him learn and grow. He introduced him to chess, which would eventually play a truly terrible role in his tale and earn him that awful nickname. But one day, after years of catering to him, his grandfather died, and it seems like this was kind of a breaking point for Petushkin. After that happened, he went dark. He started drinking, and more disturbingly, he developed a new interest in terrorizing children on camera to make videos that he would later watch on repeat. I kind of assumed that this was his way of overcoming the terrors of his childhood. And this is kind of an iffy point for me because I feel like this comes up a lot in true crime cases. I think that Petrushkin had a lot stacked against him and a literal disability following a tragic accident. But this narrative always kind of worries me without important details like this because I feel like it's something that we jump to a lot. I know that we have a big focus on the dangers of bullying, and a lot of the time I see school shooters and other criminals painted in this light, like they were just reacting to bullying, but it doesn't always translate for me. I know that when I was in elementary school, there was this kid that everyone in my class hated because he was horrible. And I do mean horrible, just an absolute nightmare of a person. He once bragged endlessly about how he threw his little sister out of a treehouse and then laughed about her breaking her legs. And while I'm sure that there was likely something going on at home that played a role in his behavior, I don't think that it was the responsibility of me and my nine-year-old peers to accept him with open arms when he was an awful and mean person who treated everybody like that. With that being said, I don't think that's the case here. I think that this has some very specific circumstances, but I always kind of worry about the bullying narrative because sometimes people are just bad and nobody wants to be their friend. Bullying does immeasurable damage to people, but sometimes I fear that we might overuse it as justification for violent criminals when in reality, plenty of people are bullied and go on to live a life that does not involve harming, or killing other people. But between the years of 1992 and 2006, the chessboard killer committed his violent crimes. But his crimes notably start with one victim in particular. At the age of 18, Petushkin decided to kill one of his former classmates, a man named Mikhail. And I promise that this story is much worse than you might have imagined. See, Petushkin didn't just go out with his former classmate and decide to kill him. Apparently, he had openly told this guy that he wanted to kill people. And then he invited him out to go hunt literal people with him. Mikhail went along with him, thinking it was an obvious joke. Because who actually kills people, right? A lot of us make jokes. Most of us aren't serious. 
Well, this killer had big ambitions, and when he realized that his friend wasn't serious, it made him very angry. In fact, he got so mad that he decided to murder Mikhail instead of a random victim. When asked about it later, Pachushkin said, The first murder is like your first love. It's unforgettable. So, that's really creepy. And from that point on, he went through a disturbing series of phases as a killer. For a while, he targeted homeless men. He would bribe them to hang out with him by offering alcohol, which was a tactic that he actually used quite a few times. He would ask them to go to the forest with him for a drink and would actually get other victims drunk while playing chess in the local park. Once he got them alone, he would attack his victims with a hammer and, for a while, a broken vodka bottle. While plenty of the men were found with a vodka bottle sticking from their necks, others were badly beaten and then thrown into the nearby sewers where they would later drown because they couldn't physically get themselves out of it. Everything about this is just horribly twisted. And then every time, he would go home and happily write down a date on a square of his chessboard. His goal was to kill as many people as there were places. 64 murders in total. But he was actually stopped right before he got there. During his reign of terror, this killer targeted homeless people, women, and children. Reports state that he sometimes killed multiple victims a night, depending on how committed he was. As more time passed, people understandably began to get a little bit nervous. People were hearing about these killings. So they stopped traveling in the area alone and started treading more cautiously, knowing that the space wasn't truly safe anymore. And it must have been a problem... And it must have bothered Petrushkin because he did something that he hadn't done since he was 18. He targeted someone that he knew. Petrushkin offered to walk his coworker home one day. Her name was Marina Moskalyava, and I can't help but wonder if she sensed that something was wrong that night. Though she did allow her would-be killer to walk her home, She left a note behind explaining that she was going to be with him. When police went looking for her, this unbelievably helpful tip told them exactly who had killed her. By utilizing CCTV footage, they were able to prove that he was with her just before she died. Like so many other victims, he beat her to death with a hammer. Marina was his 61st victim, and the one who would finally bring him down. But his reaction wasn't quite what you might expect. When he was finally charged with his crimes, police charged him with 48 murders and 3 attempted murders. And to Petrushkin, this was an insult. He actually asked the court to add another 10 victims to his body count. He said, and I quote, 
it would be unfair to forget about the other people I killed. I don't know if he means unfair to them or unfair to him, but either way, deeply unsettling. So I don't know about you, but I don't know how to feel about that. It's kind of like, thanks for fessing up, but wow, that is really terrifying what you just said there. In a final statement, he told the courts that if they were to release him, he would kill a few people, drink some vodka, and rape a woman to overcome the stress of it. Understandably, he was found guilty. He was sentenced to life in prison, with 15 of those years being in solitary confinement, which probably is not going to help with any of his issues, but is a very interesting requirement for a sentence. I think that I speak for everyone when I say that I'm really happy with this outcome. This was a truly dangerous man, and he clearly wouldn't shy away from just buying another chessboard and starting all over. But in so many ways, this story is really sad. It's sad for the victims, obviously, but it's also sad to think of Pachushkin's family and what his life might have been like without this injury. You have to wonder if the injury really was what made this happen. Unfortunately, when it comes down to it, we can't really afford to think like that, right? At the end of the day, he was a killer, and he is exactly where he belongs. Whether it was an injury that led him to it, or a darker side. So... If you want to talk about board games, following strangers into the woods, which you should not do, or the complicated nuances of villainizing someone with a tragic backstory, contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. 